Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's hit Orange is the New Black television series. Tonight we're talking about episode 308, Fear and Other Smells. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me tonight is... Kelly Anakin, co-host of Up Yours Downstairs on the Bald Move Network and stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Ah, yes. (laughs) Jinx, you owe me a podcast. Great, which, which we you're, should do it now. You're paying it right now. This is I, I like that. <laughs> I, I like the on-time payments. Um, thanks for joining us again. Uh, great to have you back on the show. What do you think of this episode? Uh, I have never been more grateful for my access to fresh food, <laughs> I would say, yeah. in general. <laughs> it's been a yeah. while since I've had to flavor anything with a ramen noodle packet, honestly. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, ingenuity on display. I always like seeing the prison hacks mm. uh, when they come into play here. Um, and I, you know, for me, this was interesting because sort of the the institution of this sort of more corporate uh, standard of living mm-hmm. for these inmates becomes more and more prevalent. You know, the longer uh, Mike Birbiglia is around, right? Which is, you know, that's how Mike Birbiglia operates, from what I understand. Uh, <laughs> he just guts. Guts, uh, just, human yeah, rights, oh man, for profit. Mergers and acquisitions all over the place. <laughs> did you know Louis C.K. used to be two people? Oh, I did not. Until I did he not. met Mike Birbiglia. You found a chubby redheaded man who'll do the work of two guys? Wow, exactly. amazing. Yeah. You, have you met Mike? I have not met Mike. Okay. I've never met him. All right. Um, by all accounts, he's a very nice person. Yeah, I, I hear that. I, I, I hear that. Despite and... my evisceration of his business practices. <laughs> well, they, they could stand some evisceration, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like this. I thought that this season kind of started started uh, strong, and it kind of went through a lull in the middle. And I feel like this is the episode where things, you know, Suzanne starts writing amateur porn um, or fan. Fi- I don't know what you would call I would call it uh, well. It's not fan fiction. Original erotica. It's not. It's not based on an existing universe. So no, it's it not is, like uh, Fifty Shades. Yeah, it's like um, like Amazon singles type thing. And I love this plot line. Like, yes, me too. This this I think is probably my favorite Suzanne plot line oh, uh, that they've ever done. Which is and saying a lot. Which is saying yeah. a lot for me. Well, and I thought it was nice too for her to have something that was kind of unabashedly positive. Um, because that character has gone through so much horrible stuff. I right. thought it was really nice of the writers to throw Uzo Aduba a bone and let her play something fun versus something 
uh, super emotionally charged or traumatic. So this was exciting. Yeah, and it felt like it came out of organically from her character. It wasn't something yeah. shoehorned because I felt like there's a couple of things this season where I it's, it, it felt a little shoehorned. Some things like last episodes with Chang, I, it came out of nowhere because we knew nothing previously about Chang. And then there's other mm -hmm. uh, where I don't know it fit there. But I thought this was just right in the sweet spot. It was very funny. And it I, I felt like the it was funnier because we only got bits and pieces of it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that sort of allows you to fill in the gaps yes. as the viewer, which actually, interestingly, to your point about Chang, I I really liked uh, her flashbacks and, and kind of finding out more about her. Okay. Um, and I it, kind of in the same way, because you kind of got these little snapshots of where she had been, you know, I still don't know, you know, why she's in prison, has she been bouncing in and out of prison since she was working with these guys? Um, but that is sort of the flashes of her life at the prison yeah, and, you know, her coping mechanisms. I really like that. I found it really effective. Yeah. I mean, I, so did Cecily. So I'm, I'm the, I'm officially the odd man out on this <laughs> island, but you you're know, the guy, you're the guy who wouldn't marry her. That's who you are. <laughs> no, it's, 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 <laughs> they're going to kill you. <laughs> My spleen. Um, I do have, I, you know, I'm, I'm more, if, if anything, I'm a bear. So I'm sure my spleen and pancreas would go for quite a bit on the black market. But um, <laughs> no, I think uh, I don't know. It's like I felt like a lot almost all the other character backstories by the time I get them, I'm invested with their character and it tells me something new about them or recontextualizes my experience with them as a viewer. And Chang was just a blank slate. So I missed that extra emotional dimension that I got from all the other prisoner backstories. Yeah, to me, I thought it was kind of place setting for that experience potentially next season yeah um yeah because yeah, they are so. running out of ladies to backstory that they, yeah. they either got to start bringing in uh you know more and more or they uh are going to have to go deeper and deeper into the pool yeah i mean like how many more super hot androgynous australian djs are there can't be that many there can't, can't be, be. it's got to be a pretty i don't know maybe they're just pool. maybe they're just cranking them out like movie tickets down there who knows <laughs> Uh, oh, I have some friends down there. I'll find out. I'll be like, what's going on with uh, these hot ladies? <laughs> Are there more? <laughs> we, uh, yeah, send them, send them. We're, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I've, I don't know where I was going with that. And uh, instead, I'll just segue right into the episode. Uh, Beef Wellington and Snow Peas. We saw the wave of the future at the end of last episode, and it is food slurry served in bags. And now we also hear that the snow peas are some kind of brown, make their own gravy with water kind of affair. Um, but a couple of the inter uh, enterprising inmates have found out that you can flavor it with commissary ramen, uh, ramen noodles to choke it down. Uh, Black Cindy feels sorry for the other Gentiles not being able to eat the kosher food. And there's a debate about whether this Norma cult that is forming is, is a second coming of Jesus or bullshit. What are your thoughts? Um, you know, I mean, she seems like she means well. She seems to be providing something in these people's lives. And whether or not you believe Jesus was God or not, uh, that seems like a net positive. You know, yeah. uh -huh. these are people, these are people in prison for whom, uh, you know, traditional spirituality has failed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've gotten, you know, sort of as I've gotten older, I used to be a very militant atheist, but as I've gotten older, I'm kind of like, whatever works for you, as long as you're not hurting anybody. Yeah, that's kind of how and I roll. Yeah, at this point, you know, it doesn't seem like this Norma thing's hurting anybody. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm pro Norma. I'm not saying I'm going to sign up to tithe or anything. <laughs> um, but it seems like she's filling a gap for some of the women. Okay. Uh, and especially now that they have no food, like what you else, know. what else? <laughs> if, if, if a, if a mute woman can, can give you cosmic peace, it's better than trying to find it in the snow peace. Yes. <laughs> uh, terrible pun. Moving on to a brand new inmate. This is the donut boy. His name's Coates. He introduces himself to Pentatucky. Uh, and he's kind of awkward about giving orders, and he really doesn't know what the hell he's doing, like a lot of the other new CEOs. So Pentatucky kind of takes him under her wing and shows him the ropes, how to get the vehicle and whatnot. Um, I don't know if there's anything to talk about. That's a developing story. Yeah, I uh, at first I thought it was a little bit too cute for him to have gotten a job at the prison. But then I guess if you think about it, that prison has to be the biggest employer in that county. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm thinking like um, baristas, donut uh, boys, pizza delivery guys, FedEx workers, and it's part-time, right? So, yeah, exactly. And it's like these are people who are holding down three and four different jobs. Yeah. I would bet that they even have uh, a legit brick-and-mortar video store still at this point. <laughs> I just uh, I just drew through my hometown for the first time in like seven years this weekend they still have a brick and mortar mom and pop video store. Nice. It nice. has to be 97% pornography, but in the day, <laughs> but they still get internet in Mooresville, Indiana. So I'm not sure what's keeping them afloat. I really don't. I don't know. You know, I think, I think people in more rural areas are just slower to adapt. Mm. And I don't mean that as like a ding or a value sure. judgment or anything. I think it's just natural. Although, you know, we have, um, there's a video store in San Francisco that still exists. Well, see, that's that's you're starting to get not porn, but now they're splitting their space with a, with a uh, record store. Yeah, as well, so, so I mean, the, it's like you gotta make it work. And that feels like it's coming from the other end of the cultural divide. Like I imagine that is more film and less movie, maybe in San Francisco. Um, it's, it's a combo. You know, I mean, the point you know for them are there it's laser more discs about, involved? Huh? Are there laser discs involved? No, okay. I don't think so. they might have a small laser disc collection. I okay. wouldn't put it past them. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's not available digital and streaming. And mm. I think that's sort of, you know, the gap that kind of needs to get exploited. Yes. If you're a if you're a small independent video store owner, this right. is what I think you should do. Right. Especially since Netflix has kind of curbed their, you know, they're they're just actively discouraging the physical side of their business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess there is a room for the the obscure titles for the mom and pop stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lolly introduces herself to Alex by snooping in her cube. And she asks questions about her pictures and where she sleeps and obviously just kind of creeps on her. And this sends Alex paranoia into overdrive. Uh, again, uh, still not, great. it's still not super invested in Alex or Piper or anything in that world. Um, other than the underwear business. That's kind of interesting. They but, could like replace Alex with a mop. Mm-hmm. with a black wig and a pair of glasses and Suzanne, i wouldn't notice suzanne needs to get some shoe polish out and that mop <laughs> and yes. and that's season four alex well uh, that would be perfect because if uh if somebody is in fact going to kill alex they can just use that mop and no, like nobody's gonna know that she's dead <laughs> um alex's so long as she shows up for count <laughs> this generates uh another alex flashback uh, to her mother's death. We know this was a pivotal moment in her and Piper's life because 
She was all pissed off the Piper didn't go to her mom's funeral, and she's just mad at the generic preacher preaching his generic stuff on her mom, or her mom, and Piper's not there, and then a fellow drug dealer shows up, uh, I think his name's Fari, and offers her some yes. cocaine, and wants her to come back to Paris, the city of life, and says, hey, we all process grief in our own ways, you can stay here, and it'll suck, or you can go do drugs with me in Paris. I can't hate on her for... for opting out of the traditional gr grief cycle yeah i would definitely choose i mean generally speaking uh i always prefer getting blotto uh -huh. to uh more traditional grieving methods yeah just the and particularly in her case like piper's such a shit heel like yeah. you gotta go do something you know sure. Just sure. get that piper taste out of your mouth <laughs> and especially since we know she's got a strong brew at this point Mm -hmm. oh, you, you, uh, you really God. she's she's the espresso of vagina thanks apparently. for thanks for reminding me uh. <laughs> uh let's see michael this is sophia's son is now wearing cologne and stealing string cheese out of the kitchen and telling his mom to stop riding his dick uh his <laughs> i can't imagine saying that to my mother um, i can't either but i you know a don't have a dick yeah um not even an ironic one. You don't pull out the suck my dick in the ironic sense of the word. In, I do, in the but I, it took me until like college to figure out that I could just say that, you know, ah. I was a late bloomer, uh, gender spectrum wise. Gotcha. So yeah, but if I had ever said, I mean, to this day, if I told my mom today, if I called her up and told her to suck my dick, I would be in trouble. I don't know how yeah. she's going to punish a 32 year old woman, but, but I would find. be in trouble. Someday, somehow, it will happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, whisper it on her deathbed. <laughs> Fuck my dick. Those death curses are are powerful that the, the mothers have apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Michael's kind of being disrespectful around it. We saw a little bit of that in the previous episode. Um, Sophia suspects that Benny is behind it. Um, also, there is uh, some kerfluffle about him sneaking in a girl uh, for the purposes of sex. And uh, her mom says, "It's this is not about Benny. This is about Michael not rushing into sex and respecting women, Sophia, who gave mm -hmm. him some rather questionable advice from the days when she was a man. Cecily and I talked about this quite a bit in that episode. What was your take on his find the insecure girl and practice on her? Okay, so when she gave that advice, I was like, fuck yeah, like, that's great. I'm like, wow, I wish, like, somebody had told me that. Like, Find an insecure guys. boy and, yeah, okay. Um, but then in this episode, when you see the actual effects and the way that it affects, um, oh, my gosh, what's his wife's name? Uh, Sophia's wife? I have yes. no idea. It's Sophia's wife to me. Okay, so Sophia's wife, <laughs> um, you know, she's so upset. And well, because if you think about it, it's like, how does that, you know, cast their relationship uh -huh. sort of looking back? You know what I mean? Was sure. she just some insecure girl that Sophia was practicing on and wound up kind of sticking around with? Um, mm. But sort of, you know, and kind of seeing sort of like the human cost of that advice. Like I was surprised by the quick 180 I did on that. Mm. Um, and I also feel really bad for Sophia's wife. If Michael's wearing cologne. Middle school boys wearing cologne is always horrendous. It's just a uh, they take a the problem is they take a bath. In yeah, it's like living Dracar. in an Abercrombie and Fitch. Yes, 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 indeed. Um, I I did not like the advice from the jump just because it seems it seemed kind of predatory. Like, mm -hmm. hey, you're all insecure and none of you know what you're doing, so just get out there and 
try to have fun and don't be a massive dick as much as you mm-hmm. can versus find find the weakest of the herd and and pick her off. Uh, so I thought it was interesting to see this boomer boomerang back uh, onto her. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, moving on, we find out that Chang is sold completely out of Raymond pa- uh, packets uh, because Piper has cornered the markets. Uh, she's figured out this is the currency she'll use to pay the girls to wear her panties. Uh, and she's trying to explain this to Alex, who's distracted by Lolly. Um, can you know she's still kind of hung up on that? And uh, uh, Piper says, you know, this should be easy for you because you're used to, uh, you know, recruiting people like Babyface, recruiting the inexperienced and the naive people, and men are even mm-hmm. easier. You just have to promise sex, and that promise is free. In the worst case, you have to give him a hando. Um, yeah. So this, for me, is where Piper finally starts to get interesting. Agreed. Uh, not just in this season, but, like, in the series as a whole. Agreed. I think she's starting She's starting to function as a new personality in prison. And she's not as tied to this, you know, Whole food shopping, NPR listening person she was before. Yes. Um... And it's, you know, it's actually compelling. Like, this becomes something, and she becomes, you know, she's becoming a bit of a villain in mm. seizing the means of production. Yes. And she's becoming this, you know, capitalist in prison. Yes. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of this plot line. And I presume I would be a fan of the ramen on this horrendous food that they're eating. <laughs> um, we have another Alex flashback. This time she's talking to Fari again. Uh, and she's talking her talking him into blowing off a drug mule. I'm guessing is is what I, yeah, I got. Yeah, I think yeah, that was the implication uh, to me. I okay. thought it seemed pretty clear that they were picking up somebody who was transporting something. Right, could be cash, could be drugs. Either way, um, and uh, she talks him into saying "fuck it," and they all drop E or X or whatever the kids are calling it and have a drug dance. Scene. Uh, they would probably be calling it Molly. Molly, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's mdma which is a purer form of ecstasy all right there you go i only know this because i have a lot of friends who do it i don't personally do it <laughs> well it's never on it's not on my never list but uh <laughs> sure I mean, yeah i mean listen i've i've been very transparent on my own podcast about the drugs uh-huh. that i've done so uh-huh. if you're curious <laughs> check out up here's downstairs yeah let's i i it's, i haven't told you this but after or maybe i did Anyway, after last season of Downton Abbey, I went back and listened to your entire archive from start oh, to finish you? because I decided I was That's impressive. There's a lot of episodes. It sure there sure as shit were, and I actually also marathoned all of Downton from because my girl one of the reasons my girlfriend had never seen like she started watching about three years ago, right in the middle of the death of uh, the middle sister. I can't. Uh-huh, uh huh. Sybil. Sybil. There you go. And so she missed the first like two, maybe three seasons. So I wanted to go back and get that. And I started feeling really nostalgic. And I'm like, you know what? I never heard like Tom and Kelly's first two seasons because mm-hmm. you guys joined up with us in season three. And I listened to like all of your season three stuff. So, yeah, I went back and it was uh, really enjoyable to watch you guys kind of go through the figuring out and, you know, the nomenclature yeah, was, of the cousins. Definitely, and... I think especially in that first year, there was a lot of figuring out. Uh, what the format should be um yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of more down to a science but yeah it was a good time it was kind of seeing j- the same process that jim and i went through through the lens of other people figuring it out and exactly so yeah, when i, I say think... you should go back and listen to their archive it's totally <laughs> worth it i i eat i, I eat my, our own dog food in this case it, it, and it tastes great 
it, it in fact made gravy with when you mix it with water. So fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, Purina all the way on our <laughs> it's, podcast. Yeah. It's got the taste that uh, bears love. Yeah. Uh, chase it with a milk bone. You'll go home happy. <laughs> Uh, anyway, everything's all great and fun and happy. And Alex is so happy she came to dance or f- yeah, to France to dance. And there's a lot of trippy <laughs> dance sequences. And then furry realizes he's missed like 17 phone calls and panic sets in because the mule did in fact get arrested and shit is about to go bad. Yeah. I mean, you really, you don't want to just let a drug mule go much like a regular mule. Yeah. You know, they're hard enough to control as it is. It's almost like so, when you're in a you're in an interrupted grieving process under the influence of narcotics that you don't make good decisions. Yeah, it's, it's something like that. But you know what? This is on Fari. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like this guy, it, you know, I'm not totally sure what the hierarchy is, but he clearly seems to me to outrank Alex. Yeah. And he talked Alex so, into coming there. Like he kind of. Exactly. So he's the one responsible for all this happening. Indeed. Um, so the answer is never do drugs with your immediate superior at work. Probably. Good. Probably somebody's going to get arrested. Probably a good idea. Uh, let's see. Pusey is. So that means that means you and I can never do Molly together. Ah. <laughs> uh, I see. I see us more as a first among equals kind of situation yeah, than, a, than a real hierarchy because it's like you guys then do your thing and we do, and the bits flow yeah. from the same source. But that's about the extent of it. So, all right. Well, then I'll fly back to Ohio and we'll. Uh, will you be our up. mule? Because like I have no, I don't even know where where I would go, begin to go to get my hands on probably some kind of place where teenagers hang out, and that's that's just not gonna. Happen. Oh, I'm sure I could get it here. Oh yeah, I'm talking yeah. about the the armpit of Ohio. It's it's oh, yeah, uh, yeah. it's not exactly. We might, have to, we might have to build our own club, but <laughs> I'll probably get a dozen offers for Molly uh, in feedback uh, for next week. Yeah, we'll I was gonna say actually, what we really should do. Well, anyway, listen, let's not continue discussing this criminal conspiracy. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> NSA, you can fuck right off. This is just an Orange is New Black podcast. Don't yeah, even worry about and it. And I have no interest in selling drugs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know who's also fiending? It's Pusey. She's got to have some more p- space porn. And Suzanne is starting to see the dark side of fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of feedback from from. There's not enough Rod Cocker. There's too much Rod Cocker. Uh, 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 the other interesting thing is we found out that Black City has a poster of Denzel Washington in her bunk, which I mm-hmm. thought was entertaining. But yeah, I. As a creative he's a person, beautiful man. he sure Still, is. Still, to this day, gorgeous. He's aging like fine wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Better, in fact, because he doesn't give you a hangover. <laughs> that I know of. I'm I don't know what kind of nights you've had with him, but uh, <laughs> I couldn't get I out of know. bed the next day. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I thought that was interesting to show the kind of creative side. Where it's like when you first get discovered, it's like, oh, wow, this is so cool. And then, like, oh, these people have opinions, and I'm disappointing them, and I can't meet their expectations. And this is essentially George R. R. Martin, et cetera's life in in a in a nutshell. Well, and also Genji Cohen's, I think. Yes, I think that's a huge parallel here because she makes, for better or worse, really bold choices. True, uh, true in all of her shows. I was just I was rereading something about weeds on the AV Club. Um, and just, you know, and Genji Cohen, I think, is somebody who does read her own press 
but then usually just says fuck it yeah uh and doubles down on whatever insanity she's planning to do yeah but just all the different ways if you're a content creator all the different directions people are going to pull you in yeah um and you know how do you how do you deal with that and you know we all know suzanne's grasp on sanity is not uh the you know it's not the best she's mm-hmm. doing a lot better sure sure um but she's definitely she she swings between extremes so it's like how does she handle these external forces pulling her in two different directions versus was, just her own internal issues i was actually really pleasantly surprised at how well she did go through this this mm-hmm. this thing thus far you know? yeah she seems like she's getting better at boundaries mm-hmm. and standing up for herself and um do you think that these other people kind of violating her boundary creatively was a little bit formative for that like that maybe for the first time people are fucking with her shit without asking and that's like oh this is what it's like there's that one girl whose name i don't know yeah Uh, the new one that was uh, rubbing one out to the rod cocker yes Yes, i know that one i don't know her name Uh, either i don't even know if we know at this point in the, the season her name period yeah, I have no idea. I don't, I mean, there's so many of them, you know? Yeah. Um, but she in particular came on uh, to Suzanne with an intensity that I thought was of a piece of the intensity Suzanne was coming on to uh, Piper in the first season. She does have a bit of the Suzanne nature, yes. A, a little bit of the crazy eyes, perhaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a little, little. Fewer nicknames. Little, little Reba, Reba McIntyre. To her look yes a little intense a little intense um we then have boo discussing strategy chess strategy with morello and it's a very egalitarian everybody's equal i love my pawns as much as my queens versus the utilitarian the pawns must be sent to death and you must you know calculate and etc this is broadly kind of some of the setting up the themes for the late half of the, or the the second half of the season would you say yeah, I think particularly uh, as you're sort of looking at Piper's business model mm-hmm. and not just Piper's business model, but also the changes that are happening in the prison. Right, the MMC um, business model. It versus... resonates across pretty much all of these storylines. Yep. So it's a fun little bit of writerly uh, metafiction. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a fun uh, dig at an American Apparel. It's like she says, I'm like American Apparel, but without the implied statutory rape. She then gives this is the thing that I thought was a sour note in this otherwise interesting plot. Her getting up on the table and doing the, you know, we may be incarcerated, but our panties will travel the world. Our smells will. I thought this Independence Day, we will not go quietly into this good night speech. It did pay off with um, one of the guards coming in and telling her to just flatly get off the fucking table. But it played too long, and I I don't know. I, I was still lingering my, my oh, God, this is Piper uh, attitude. But I think that's it. It's, you know, this is Piper in a nutshell. Piper has this very outsized narrative mm-hmm. for herself and her own significance in everybody's life. Yeah. And I think that was true before she got into prison. And it's only intensified now that she's in this microcosm. Hmm. See, uh, and maybe that's part of her. So deal. she wants to, you know, she wants to be the Norma Ray of panties. Ah. Uh, I, I get that she's kind of a social chameleon, but that's one of the things I find annoying that I can't get a good read and handle on her. Like this to me seems so far outside her performance envelope that it felt fakey. Um, yeah. And the same way when she, uh, I think it's the first episode she makes a crack to Alex about letting Wookiees win. Yeah. And like where did it's like, I, just, like, I don't know 
that you would make that reference. I mean, maybe and I've seen that in a couple of other places. It's like, really? Like, that's a good I point. See, I can see Larry having been really into Star Wars. I was about to say that. That might be and some it's nerd like Maybe pandering. Alex was too, but like neither of them seem like hardcore Star Wars fans to me. People to drop that kind of reference, it's not a singular occurrence. No. It's like, like she should have been dropping references the whole time. Yes. If she was just going to like go there for shorthand. Yes. Uh, like like Pousset and Tasty, I would totally buy Star Wars references coming off. Yeah. I would agree with that. They or seem... even uh, Flocka and Maritza, mm. potentially. Yes. More Flocka, I think. I feel like Flocka maybe had a boyfriend who was really into it. Sure. And then she like got really into it. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, a little, little, some stuff comes out of left field or Piper. I don't know that I, I care for. But anyway, um, all the girls are in because if nothing else, they get the flavor packets. Uh, another scene, which it's it's not a bad scene. It's just like, ugh. Is so so is depressed and she's seeing seeing Healy, which is not really great. Uh, he sees her having no friends as a positive thing because it lets you keep to yourself. Recall that's essentially his his sermon to Piper: don't form human attachments, especially the lesbo ones, and give me all of your attention because I am this gaping hole of need that cannot be filled. Um, but I kind of want to hate on. Healy, but on the other hand, I don't really like Soso either, and she has got this really combination of socially awkward but self completely self-absorbed that I find it's like Teflon. There's nothing that I can stick to. <laughs> What's your thoughts on the scene? Um, you know, I feel bad for Soso because she's clearly being failed by her counselor. Um, but she's also not listening to f- valid social feedback, like. The attempt that she did uh, to relate to Angie and Leanne was horrific. Almost, I thought she was being cruel to begin mm-hmm. with. And it turns out she was just being clueless. And I just, I, I don't know how to take her. I th- But I think that's intentional. I think they're revisiting, they're revisiting certain things um, that we kind of got into a, with Piper in the first season. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you know, there is, there's no natural group for so-so. Mm, um, true. You know, Chang isn't interested in forming an alliance with her. Oh, God, no. And no, and I mean, just, you know, she is, she's stuck in the middle of all of these, you know, ethnically defined groups, mm. um, which is very difficult. It's very difficult to be what they call an only mm. um, in diversity awareness circles. Right. And I mean, you know, I think... I think being an only makes you defensive hmm. and that's only being compounded by the fact that she does not have great social skills. Yeah. So every rejection that she experiences just kind of metastasizes into even more defensiveness. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm empathetic towards so, so I mean, maybe that's the point that even socially awkward self-absorbed people can hurt too. <laughs> Perhaps, especially. Um, Alita and Daya, Daya have another kind of, it's not a bonding session. It's Alita trying to say, you need to give up your child and cash in on this thing. Uh, and she lobbies the whole, you can't think with that thing inside you. It's like an alien. I don't have a lot to say about this. Um, because again, I continue to be mostly annoyed by this plot line. Yeah. I am not as annoyed by this plot line as I am by Piper and Alex's ongoing, whatever, yeah. but it just, 
I feel like the, you know, the Diet Bennett thing just wound up being this lead-in balloon. Mm -hmm. And even though Bennett's gone now, Mm -hmm. everybody's still stuck dealing with the fallout. And I think there's, you know, there's other more interesting stories that could be told. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're just not seeing them. Yeah. I did. If you were. Plus, I hate, I hate Aleda so much. She's. She's such a toxic character, and I'm not sure the show knows that she's a toxic character. I know. I was about to say that, like, I, they seem like they try to every once in a while throw in something that kind of redeems her. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, no sale. No sale. I'm willing to admit that she has hurts and emotions. Sure. But the fact that at no point does she ever develop any kind of self-awareness. That right. her actions have consequences for others, mm-hmm. or that her self-sacrifice might help somebody else. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm always baffled by her relationship with Gloria. I'm like, I can't believe Gloria is putting up with this. Like, I know they're kind of of an age, yeah. and, you know, you kind of you fall in with who you're with. But I'm like, Jesus Christ, this woman's terrible. Yeah, and I don't think just, Gloria likes her either. But you know, I mean, I think they have they have empathy for each other. Alita would be a, um, a bad person to have on your bad side. More than anything. Yeah, for sure. Like That's she, true. It might just be self-preservation on Gloria's r- part. Rather have her in the tent pissing out than outside the tent pissing in. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I thought... I'm uh, not sure that's a thing women can do. <laughs> well, no. Pousset has this... <laughs> she has to stand and deliver. Technology has created a device in which she can piss inside a tent or but out. can you get that in prison? She she did. She was going around and squirting on all... You know, when she's like uh, chasing the squir- squacoons away but- from her uh, her honey. Um, I I do think that if a lot if Alita didn't have the whole I'm getting paid for this, like some mm-hmm. of these arguments would be compelling and 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 they would. But knowing that this is kind of running a scam for her the whole time undercuts all that. And I'm with you. I just think she's yeah. Go. And I feel like I can never tell if she's a sociopath or just a narcissist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sure. It's I, hard for me to tell what her motivation really is. I feel like those are pretty fine hairs to split. They, according to 30 Rock, they are, but uh, <laughs> uh, she's one or the other, and I don't know which one. Uh, so prison not warden Danny is having a problem with all the prisoners ordering kosher meals because presumably high-quality meals are more expensive than slop. Uh, and I thought Caputo had a really great, a sick burn. He's like, you know, there's got to be a way that we can identify the real Jews. He's like, you know, we used to make him wear stars of David on a uniform, but we had to stop after World War II. I can't remember why. <laughs> it's like he's starting to to get some digs back in on on poor Danny. Yeah. Uh, which I don't feel bad for Danny at all. You, you feel bad for Danny? Well, I say <sighs> this episode, I think I'm starting. I don't feel sorry for him. But I start to understand that he is essentially being caputoed uh, by his old man, uh-huh. you know, and, and he's yeah, gotten... but at the same time, I don't have a lot of respect for anybody who only has a job because of who their parent is. Well, sure, but they don't um, know so that. So for me, it's kind of compounded and made worse by the mm. fact that not only did he get this job through nepotism, he is too spineless to build anything of his own, mm-hmm. even with that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they're kind of chippy with each other and Danny is, uh, you know, not sure why. Cause he keeps calling the guy buddy. Why aren't they friends? <laughs> uh, and Caputo finds out there's this big meeting about the prison, the big wigs that he didn't even know about. And he's been like clamoring for, for since this whole bot buy it happened. Um, there is a kind of awkward, like bro bonding that Danny tries to f- fast onto Caputo 
And he just warns them, he's like, look, I get you're trying to save money, but the dollars and cents you're saving on not having kosher meals and not providing them the legal resources they need is going to pale in comparison to a lawsuit, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, that's what reigns in any kind of capitalist endeavor from just purely. Well, and this is, I mean, it is a really good, uh, you know, in a nutshell, although, you know, obviously Genji Cohen and her writers have never actually worked for a corporation, uh, <laughs> as we'll see when we get to the big meeting. Okay. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, that is how things go. Like you, everything is nickel and dimed, yeah. you know, that is, that is how all of it works. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Pensatucky says that she's a very good driver that in her pr- uh, past life, she's driven tow trucks, dump trucks, uh, big rigs with a car carrier when her boyfriend was stealing cars, etc. Um, and Coates starts questioning the safety of this arrangement that you have a convicted felon driving him around and she could just put it into a telephone pole at any time mm-hmm. she wants. And she kind of actively encourages that kind of uh, thought <laughs> that vehicular murder suicide. Um, he wants to stop at the donut store to get his paycheck and Pentatucky just is starstruck. This, this guy suddenly, his stock has shot up in her eyes. He can get free. He donuts. has access to donuts. Yeah. When they're just being fed slop. Oh my God. Oh my God. I have to say I'm doing this like low carb thing and mm. the, just the sheer amount of donuts in this season mm-hmm. has been brutal for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're so, feeding them to uh, ducks. How does that feel? Like all you, you would, you would kill a person for a donut and they're just throwing donuts at, I don't know that I would kill somebody, but I would definitely kidnap somebody. Kid- <laughs> You'd ransom for donuts. Although, I mean, re- I mean, you know, on the real, like I can just go buy a donut. Like, sure. Nobody, nobody is preventing me except myself, but you know, watching this, I'm just like, Oh, yeah. I want a donut. <laughs> uh let's see ruby rose because uh, i don't know her real name uh well her fake name wants to know more about the alex situation stella it's stella stella there you go stella 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 for star uh she wants to know about the alex situation because it seems pretty evident that she's wanting to move in on the the pipes situation does she have a solid gold pussy or something like what is this i don't know like if you were if you were Ruby Rose, who would you be triangulating on? Who say, man? That's what uh, that was definitely high up on high up on the list. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I like really... there's Pusay. Uh I guess none of the Spanish women seem to swing that way. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Maritza and Flaca kind of play at it every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, well, they kissed that time and it didn't go anywhere. I just don't yeah. think they're interested. Okay. Um. I guess mostly Pousset. Yeah. Because, uh... That would neatly solve her. too crazy. Mm, yes. Yes, you don't want to stick your metaphorical dick in crazy. Maybe Big Boo, but... Big Boo's definitely a top, and Ruby Rose also seems like a top. That's the thing. They're butch in very different ways. Yeah. So I I don't see that that being being like a a power struggle, hate fuck that never ends. Yeah. Are um, you all about Ruby Rose? People lost nah. their minds about her. Yeah, Pialani I don't was, get it. Like, I don't, yeah, she's, she, I mean, she is, like, very attractive in the same way that, like, uh, the Bieber is attractive. <laughs> like, no, she's, very know, she, she's very chiseled and perfect. To me, she seems very artificial um, and very 
polished somehow. But and she's I guess so I edgy like a and cool. Face. Like I don't know what to say, but she just <laughs> didn't. She did not do it for me. Yeah. No, so I'm like more... all of my all of my straight female friends lost their shit. Yeah, that's just like the weekend. The weekend that all this went live, just every other status update was like, "Oh my god, Ruby Rose!" And I was like, "Eh." Yeah, like, no. Ugh, gross. Like, ugh. One, of, sure. one of my favorite updates uh, was from a friend of mine that was upset that she was attracted to her because she's a DJ. <laughs> like, like that's essentially you're 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 inching ever so closer to dating a cast member of the Jersey Shore. Like, like you know, that's you. You start dating a DJ because they're hot, and then where does it end? Fake tans all it's the way. It's Jim Tan and laundry from there. Just watch yep. out. <laughs> uh, anyway, Piper flirts with the babyface guy uh, via sewing machine maintenance about threading her bobbin and the, did, the nub in I the did front like that needs Piper's uh, tactical flirting here. It's yeah, a technique I've used before. Most women have. Uh, I thought she executed it very well. Um disappointed that alex was not as into uh leveraging her own sexuality for personal gain i i well she's much further she... on the kinsey scale so oh that's true but even then i mean i don't know you can you can flirt with anybody if you're committed we also have lolly continuing to be weird around alex alex and alex continues to be paranoid and we can fast forward through that if that's okay with you mm-hmm. uh to, don't care. to an alex flashback where fari is overreacting and he's saying, no, you're you're wrong that this guy, uh, you know, I cost this guy money uh, and left him exposed. And Alex is I'm not she's not going to kill you in a hotel room. And then he totally does and turns the gun on Alex and takes her hostage. At the end. Did she actually get to eat that croque madame? I don't think anyone did. Bummer. This is not a great eating episode. No, it's it's <laughs> it's it's uh, kind of a cock tease. Can you tell I haven't had dinner yet? <laughs> well, I mean, what do you, it's 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 carb free, so you know what kind of what kind of substance are we really talking about here? My dinner. Yeah. It's gonna be steak and eggs. I'm pretty stoked. All right, that's that's solid. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna start a new podcast. What did Kelly eat today? So I had peanut butter and jelly for dinner, like a little mm-hmm. eager, because we, you know, we're leaving for a vacation for a right, week. Right, so you have no food in the house. Yeah, we kind of planned it out, so we'd run out and we we screwed up, and we thought we'd have leftovers from last night, and turns out you don't. So we're eating like eight year olds. We're all gonna live, man. We're we will. Get through this. We will survive. At uh, least we're not eating beef Wellington. <laughs> Uh, Pensatucky debates the wisdom of the donut shop logo, uh, maple logs versus donuts. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like Kevin Smithy pop culture, you know, donuts. Oh my God. I bet Chasing Amy was Jenji Cohen's like favorite movie in grad school. Mm, it's def you can definitely see a lot of the Smithian influence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which isn't bad. I think Smithian influence is fine. Have you ever gone back and watched clerks? Sure. Yeah. I thought it was horrible. I never was a fan. I never, like, I remember, I thought, so I was, um, I I was very young and and, and still in the middle of a cult when I first saw Chasing Amy. Uh, And so I thought it was mind-blowing. I thought it was like, wow, this is... I was not in as much of a cult as you, but that was how I felt about Kevin Smith in general. Although I still, I love Mallrats. I think Mallrats is good too, but Clerks blows. At the time, it was not well-received, but that dogma was huge for me. Dogma was awesome. Same here. Same here. It's probably, I got like 10 pillars that shook my faith. Or, yeah, 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 I guess what that was a huge one. It'd be the debt cord wrapped around the faith pillars that blew them up. Uh, and, and dogma was definitely <laughs> one of those things that snuck in there. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't use Smithian as, as a slur necessarily. Um, I think it's value neutral at this point. You can't deny the influence and yeah. the impact that he's had. He's 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 uh, made a lot of big swings, a lot of big misses, and he's mm-hmm. connected every once in a while. Uh, and hey, now that uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner are getting divorced, he can be friends with Ben Affleck again. I did not know that that was preventing them from being friends. Jennifer Garner did not like Kevin Smith and Ben Affleck's friendship and uh, where, forbade them apparently to hang out. Where did you learn this from? I learned this. I feel like it was Is this probably, a Gawker article I missed? What's going I think it was probably on Pajiba. Mm. That's where I get most of my celebrity stuff, but it it's probably several places. But basically, Kevin Smith gave some interview and somebody was asking if he hung out with Ben Affleck or not still. Uh-huh. And he was like, yeah, Jennifer Garner doesn't like how our entire relationship is us shitting on each other. Uh, so they weren't allowed to hang out. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Getting the, getting the bromance back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he wants to show Pentatucky what he does with day old donuts, which kind of is menacing in, in yeah. the right context. Um, anyway, uh, it turns out they're feeding ducks and they're horsing around. And at this point, right. it's, it's really kind of cute. Although, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, are we really going to the inappropriate guard-prisoner relationship well? Right? That like, was exactly my reaction as well. We had Bennett and Daya, then we had Healy and fucking Red from Bizarro Land, and Healy's kind of always semi-inappropriate with everybody, and now we got this. Like, what the hell? What the hell? No one paid attention to any of the sexual harassment training. No one read it a bit of the fucking manual. It's, it's, it's just chaos. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing, though, too, because I was really skeptical about it, and I don't have the hard stats to back it up, but I was listening to some, you know, interview with Piper Kerman uh, on a podcast and just saying, you know, the the sexual assault rates in prison are much more likely to be guard to prisoner. Really? Um, yeah, prisoner, 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 to prisoner, prisoner. So I'm like, maybe this is a reflection of that, but so many, so much of what they're doing occupies this very murky territory and I don't get a good sense of how accurate that is. You're um, right, because it struck me as implausibly high, but it could be that that's actually more horrifically accurate than I was. Yeah, than I would. Think. I mean, I have I have no idea. Hmm. Interesting. Uh. Anyway. Uh. We then have a board meeting of MMC. Uh. There's kind of uh, they go back to the the Jew well again. Uh. They're talking about the Jewish problem, and then they t- talk about locating a cheaper source of soap. Which, have you ever been the person in the room that just takes things one step too far? Like, everyone's um, having a good time, and then suddenly, oh, that just, you just, you just took it there, and, and now you're the asshole? I'm generally the straight man, so, no. Really? <laughs> really? Amongst, amongst comedians, yeah. That's it. Well, okay, that, that make I've never seen interactive comedians, but, like, yeah. on I your like podcast, you're, you're, you're the kooky one, and Tom's the straight man. Um, I will yeah, say... I- well, if you look at our shenanigans posts on Facebook, Tom always gets the punchline. No, that that's I'm I'm I'm, I'm, the privileged. Setup, I'm the setup man, and he's the punchline. I am privileged to to get in on the shenanigans action, but and that's the thing that's that's so you can follow me on Facebook. Anyone can easily. So. Yeah, anybody can follow me. All right, track her down. You don't have to submit a friend request. You can just click follow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it's... what I recommend in general because if we don't have any mutual friends, I'm not going to friend you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, it's pretty fun. But on on your podcast, like I think that's what's interesting is because when Tom does get a like a really good zinger, it sneaks up on you. Oh yeah, he's very sneaky. I always say he's much funnier than I am. Hmm, interesting. 
Well, he just doesn't feel the need to have people looking at him all the time, which I think helps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I thought I was going to bond with you over the whole fact of like sometimes you take things <laughs> too far, but uh, nope, nope not going to happen. Nope. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to brook so so and uh, go sit in the corner and sob, take my antidepressant <laughs> medication. Uh, but he, it, it's because here's where I thought it, things turn around for Danny because. He's not just parroting. He's actually trying to go to bat for Caputo. He's just mm-hmm. so calcium deficient in the spinal region yeah. that he can't quite keep up the assault. That that, yeah. uh, but you can tell that he, you know, Caputo is starting to have an effect. That like even from a dollars and cents standpoint, this does not make sense. This is not mm-hmm. n- not maybe in the extreme short term, but it can just as easily bite you in the ass. And... Yeah, but I mean, as his dad says, you know, nobody. In middle management, which his dad is. You sure, know, even his dad, he's, yeah. He's top banana in this meeting, but he's still a middle manager. They don't care about anything that happens because this is all for the CEO who's going to bounce anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that is... It's not entirely accurate. Um, I've never worked anywhere that it's that transparent, but... Yeah, that's the thing. And and like I've actually worked for companies I thought were ethical and had a conscience and tried to do things truthfully in a forthright manner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just you know that's that doesn't make the press. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that's true. You, you don't hear about the good people in the world. You hear about the people that uh, are kind of assholes. That's what that's what leads on the news. So, but yeah, this little little kind of um, naive screedy to me. But mm-hmm. uh, if there's one industry that you can do this for. I think it is the for-profit uh, prison industry. Yeah, for sure. Like, I totally believe that these are the type of people that would compl- – because, I again, I, I talked about this, I think, with Cecily, maybe Pilani, watching the fantastic documentary, The House I Grew Up In. Mm-hmm. They go, like, hidden camera style into a prison industrial complex style um, trade show. And mm-hmm. some of the literature that they're passing around and the slides that they're using to pitch their products are horrific. It's yeah. like, you know, look at our prison, look at how many prison people are putting in prison and look at the yeah. recidivism rates. And it's just so much, you know, making money on human misery. It's wow. Yeah, it's upsetting. Uh, what is not upsetting is that a friend of mine is in this scene. No way. Yeah. The woman who has Ta- to go see HR. She is takes things one, one step too far. Yeah. That's my friend, Emily Maya Mills. She's a Los Angeles based comedian. If you live in Los Angeles, I highly recommend watching her perform because she is delightful. Emily, we need to talk about being the person in the room that takes things too far and how awkward that is. <laughs> because Kelly's just leaving me hanging here. Uh, let's. Well, she's uh, acting. I don't know what you know. I don't know what she does in reality. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's acting always comes from some place of inner truth. So I still think there's some some relatable context that we could we could talk about. Uh, Diane, Mrs. Pornstash meets again. And they're like kind of on the same page. And Daya's like, yeah, I'll give you the baby. And she's like, we'll write to you. And I'll even share, send her some drawings so you can see if she's got your artistic talent. And everything's kind of peachy until Miss Pornstash lets slip that there's this arrangement. Because I think she just assumes that Daya was in on it. Oh, and- yeah. I mean, she would. And I think it's, you know, it's indicative of her, you know, white privilege mm. that she would just assume that all brown people would be the same you know what i mean and that well, because be Daya's f- the latest daughter she's in on it sure although to be fair even without the 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 brown context i think when the mother propositions you with a business arrangement and then the daughter meets you and like i could see that 
that that that that's not an i think i could make that 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 mistake as well mm-hmm. like just assume that like okay yeah sure um but anyway uh this pisses De- uh die off and then she comes clean about the baby not being porn stashes and mrs porn stash is kind of shell-shocked and walks out yeah uh you kind of would be <laughs> yeah after yeah. your son has been uh put in prison yeah for this it's hard to put a good uh, face definitely... on this it's hard to put a good face on this because by being angry at alita dia also kind of reveals that she did let alita talk her into a pretty pretty bad i mean say what you will about porn stash and scamming him and whatever he's kind of a creep but mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like mrs porn stash is a bad person and no, they, they did a whole cuckoo strategy uh cuckoo nest strategy on her and it's kind of Kind of evil. Mm-hmm. So kind of a very complex situation here. Uh, Sophia and Gloria commiserate on the difficulty of raising sons from inside prison walls. Uh, what some would say impossibility. Anything you want to say about that? Uh, you know, I can't imagine. I can't even imagine. I, I have no kids. So number one, I can't imagine having kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think, you know, even co-parenting with somebody that you aren't around all the time must be extremely difficult. Yeah. And then to have one of you physically incapable of showing up. Yeah. Has to be hard and hard on the person who can't show up. And not, not just that, not just physically unable to show up, but a very stigmatized, Yeah. like not your dad's in a coma or your mom's in a coma, your mom's in federal prison. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's pretty, that's a, that's a rough conversation starter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Suzanne's done with the next chapter of the Rodcocker uh saga. And again, I just really kind of want to read the story. I'm hoping that there is some special feature or DVD where we'll get a couple chapters. It'll probably be disappointing. It probably will be. Um erotic is very hard to write. <laughs> uh, but they did do like they did like a cookbook, so it's not out of the question that they might yeah. like, you know, release something somewhere. Yeah. Um yeah, but I mean, you know, I you got to figure this thing is so popular also because all the books got burned mm. and they haven't rebuilt their library yeah. with anything worth reading yet. So right. this is this is the only game in town. Right. Like I remember uh when I was uh 12 years old, let's say, I was starved for in my my small town public library for anything science fiction. Mm-hmm. And I found the writings of one L Ron Hubbard. <laughs> and Oh my God, he's got a decology. That's like 30,000 pages score. And I read that just like think, just thinking it's the greatest thing over a summer. My mom having no idea the, the, the fucked up shit that's in those books. Uh, so I've read a shocking amount of L. Ron Hubbard's books because that's amazing for, uh, you know, know why Mooresville library had it because the Scientologist undoubtedly donated his complete work. Oh, I'm sure. So yeah, uh, don't, don't you know? Stick with the Nivens and the Asimovs. Uh, stay away from the Elron Hubbard's uh, small town folks. You got the internet now. There's no excuse. Go to the go to the video store. Rent up some wholesome porn. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Red quits on the kitchen to Healy. Uh, Healy points out quite rightfully that you can't just jump from job to job as you please. Let before we get into the, the the birdie thing, what does Red want from Healy at this point? Like, I'm not feeling sorry for Healy, but he's not even close to being Superman or being like some big swinging dick in this prison. What does she want him to do? 
He you know, I think I think she wants things to go back to the way they were, and he's the closest thing she has to an advocate, even though he's not a very good advocate. Right. Um, and I mean, you know, she. I think she has, you know, and I think that's even true of her view toward the outside. You know, she had this view that, oh, eventually I'll get out of prison and I'll go back to uh, my shop. Yeah. And I'll, you know, work with the Russian mob again and we'll, mm. you know, we'll get all this stuff going. And so when she went back to the kitchen, she thought it would be the same as it was before and she would be controlling the menus and she would have this, you know, staff that loves her. But, you know, Nikki's gone. Yeah. Her family is fragmented. I don't think they've totally split up for right. practical reasons, but it's not the unit that it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think she just really, you know, she kind of wants Kelly to wave a magic wand and, and fix it. So this is an overall, you're, it sounds like you're saying this is an overall referendum on her ambitions outside prison. Like, I think so. Like, like this fantasy of everything being back the way it was before I went into prison, you know, is, is going, is maybe causing her to doubt that the fantasy for her getting her shop going and all of her stuff on the outside, maybe that will be just as kind of bumpy and hard mm-hmm. to just dust off. Yeah. Huh. Good take. Thank you. Uh, so let's get to the birdie thing. Birdie walks in on him sniffing her jacket uh, and talks to him about so-so. And he retreats into what I can only describe as smug territorialism. And he tries to pull out the, look, I have a master's in social work. And she pulls out the master's in psychology, which pays off the whole his Russian mail order bride's accusation. He's not a real psychologist Mm -hmm. and you can see in his face. Like he's just, yeah, has no weapons to fight with here. Um, but you know, she's actually really conciliatory towards him the whole time. Even after Healy goes, really takes the low road and goes after the whole, like you're just woman in a minority and you're just doing this woman minority thing. And Mm -hmm. he's just a giant dick. Um, but you know what? She got what she wanted and she defeated him. So I guess she can afford to be the bigger person. Yeah. Well, and I mean, she's, you know, he's somebody who's made up his mind about this. She got this job because she ticks these boxes, not because she's qualified. Yeah. And no matter what her credentials are, he is going, he is going to come at this job with this very paternalistic attitude, regardless of Mm. who is, you know, quote unquote competing with him. Yeah. So he knows best. And if she says that he doesn't know best, then she's got to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, in general, I'm pro birdie, uh, anti Healy. And this conversation mm-hmm. is, is exhibit a for, for why that is. <laughs> uh, Pousset is strangely shattered by the end of Suzanne's cereal, uh, sex cereal. Uh, and she got all schlackered to ham to handle it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tasty is very worried about her because she's just having a hard time keeping her shit together. And she's lonely and fatalistic, and she admits that she needs the, uh, help in the scene. Mm-hmm. Anything to add? Um, You know, I got a little bored with the whole Pousset being an alcoholic plot line here. I, that, that's, that's the, I was thinking about that as like another like, thing that came kind of from nowhere. Care. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's not mess. Um, I don't know. I just, I think it's kind of a lazy choice to make for her. Mm. Like, I know, you know, she makes the hooch. We all know she makes the hooch. But that seemed like it was, and, uh... like, and she is lonely and that's fine. But like, I guess I was kind of like, just let her drink tasty. Like, come on, what else is she going to do? 
Yeah, I mean, she got weepy. And that's the other thing is like, she doesn't have Harry Potter anymore. She doesn't yeah. have uh, uh, her other stuff. She's the library is barren. This is her only thing. And it's it's over now or and it's come to an unsatisfied. I mean, I've been oh, there. I when your fiction doesn't go yeah, the way you want. Me, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like she's becoming an alcoholic. It just feels like she's filling her time until the next thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, because she seemed like she was OK when she had something going on in her life, like Rod Cocker. And now that mm-hmm. that's gone, it's uh, it's time to hit the sauce. But whatever. Yeah. I'll play along. She needs help. Uh, Danny comes in looking for Caputo, who has left early because this is the day. Oh, he wait, always... isn't this where we find out that Tasty just goes to AA and makes up stories? That was, I think, two episodes ago. She says oh, okay. it's All open right. mic night. I was so disappointed when I found that out because I really wanted that barbecue sauce titty story to be real. <laughs> Uh, Danny comes in looking for Caputo, who's left early, like he does every Thursday for band practice for the old side boob. And this is, you, if you're a boss, you got to decide whether you want to be friends with your coworkers or you want to be an authority figure. Because boy, nothing's worse than when you have the buddy buddy the boss. Friend, yeah, the friend that, boss who suddenly decides they're not that likes to roll tough on you when the whim suits them. And I've had mm-hmm. I've had both of those, and you know I'd prefer the Jean-Luc Picard approach, the aloof authoritarian father figure. Like, I don't don't need a friend. I'm good on friends. Right. Tell me what my job is and I'll do my job. Right. Or if you want to be my buddy boss, I'm a fairly good employee. And, uh, you know, within Mm -hmm. reason, I do pretty much my diligence. Uh, Don't hassle me because I was five minutes late on lunch. Yeah. Buddy. You have to, you have to pick a side. Yeah, exactly. There's not a middle ground there. Exactly. Um, But yeah. So anyway, Again, Danny's Danny's kind of a problem here, uh, but it does inspire a jam session with with the side boob where Caputo gets to riff on the Hey Buddy. Uh, what did you think about the this 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 musical piece about uh, you're not the warden, but you're the fucking warden? Uh, it's a little on the nose for yeah. me. In general, if a show isn't a musical, I'm not a huge fan of doing a musical number. Like Orphan Black just did that. For like so did true no detective reason. so did true detective Other, out of nowhere yeah and i'm just like i you know i mean at least he has a band and it wasn't like the band was just introduced yeah. but like you know i i don't have as much of an emotional investment in caputo's relationship with danny as i think the show thinks huh. that i think so yeah that side boob stuff's left on the side you don't we don't want the yeah. full-on boob just, exactly just leave it to like the if side. i want side boob i'll go to tmc exactly <laughs> Uh, Pusey does not join Alcoholics Anonymous. In fact, she joins the Norma cult, and Tasty yeah. does not like this. Uh, there you I go. I feel this is my other thing. I feel like Tasty pushes Pusey too hard in a lot of ways. Yeah, like, especially you guys, aren't, you guys are friends. You're not in a romantic relationship. Like the kinds of things yes. that Tasty is asking of her, preach it. Those are romantic partner type things. Amen. And you don't get to elect yourself if you're not eating some pussy. Especially all the shit you pulled last season. Exactly. Like, you, you, I no, mean, and it's... to me, I'm like, that's what part of this is, is Pusey still dealing yes. with that emotional fallout. Yes. Yeah. Um. No, but again, I think people are, you know, finding what they need from Norma. Norma is really qualified to run a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, she has got she's got a lot want. of previous a solid previous cult experience. Yeah, so you know, uh, whatever her motivations are, you know, at least the content and the form are going to be there. Yeah, 
I mean, that's my plan post podcasting. Like, you know, I got cool. the JW thing. I got the works of Elrond Hubbard in my head. Mm-hmm. I am ready to to, well, to I read, channel. I read a rumor that Tom Cruise is leaving Scientology. So if you can I, boo so, him so to whatever you're called, he's is. an acolyte for hire. I mean, where Perfect. can how could this possibly go wrong? Uh. Let's see. Piper gives Alex an update on the whole baby face situation as Lolly stares down Alex and they have a conversation about why she's staring and whatever, uh, which <laughs> gives us another Alex flashback to Kubra, who I got to say, Kubra seems like a decent boss. Like he's very hard ass boss, but like fair, but fair, tough, tough but, but fair. fair. Like he, uh, it's like, look, I don't mind you doing this now and then, but you, you're too lazy to buy burners. Fuck you, man. Uh, yeah. he's very, very, uh, uh, reasonable for a murderer. So, yeah. And, uh, then we find out that, uh, the new inmate that we don't know his name, she, she's the bunkmate of Lolly. She just finished off Suzanne's tri- uh, epic and she finds out about the third orifice being a wormhole, which really recontextualizes Deep Space Nine for me. <laughs> and, uh, we also find that lot there, there, and this is so grown worthy to me is that, uh lolly it turns out is keeping track of piper or alex's movement and alex is actually right to be paranoid and i just like i got excited because i thought maybe alex was gonna die well you know we still have a lot of season left i know i just uh, i was like oh hey great she is gonna get killed yeah yeah cooper's coming through for us this show, it's, it's done a couple other times, and don't ask me for examples because I, I this just organically came to my mind. But I feel like they've done this where they do the straightforward thing, and then the twist, and then the twist on the twist. And this whole, like, you know, Alex is being, you know, not paranoid, and then she's being paranoid and not, and then, oh, it turns out she should have been paranoid. I, I feel like I'm being jerked around, and again the bottom line is I'm not connecting his character in any way. So it's just kind of yeah. annoying to me. Yeah. You can't win them all. No. Nope. Orange is the new black. No, nope. there's a, uh, so if you were a creative person, uh, uh. or as a creative yeah. person, as a creative <laughs> person, uh, how would you, cause I, cause I get it. Like you're a writer and, and you're making this stuff and sometimes stuff that looks good in your head, you're into editing bay and like, Oh shit, this isn't working. I don't know whether Jinji agrees with that assessment or not, but let's say that you did like, like the Diane Bennett situation th- almost universally. The fans kind of hate that as of season two, what do you do? Do you just rip the bandaid off? Do you, I mean, that's essentially what they did in having Bennett disappear. I except think, for it's extent. not, they ripped half the bandaid off and, and like, you know, it's like, well, I mean, once you commit to a pregnancy, unless you want to go with a miscarriage, you have to see that through. What if you just ship um, Daya off to a different prison? That happens. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They, you know, they went... I think also this is a very sentimental cast, mm. or they feel very sentimentally about the cast. So they want to find as many excuses as possible to keep them around. So I think it's just, I think it's just her approach. And I think... She doubles down on what she wants to do, regardless of whether everybody else thinks that she should be doing it or not, which I think is fine. That's how most, uh, you know, kind of golden age creators sure. operate. Sure. And I think I would say she's about on the same level as Matthew Weiner of Mad Men. I think he made a bunch of terrible decisions. Oh, really? And never course corrected. Huh. Um, yeah. That's probably, I, that, that should be a topic for another podcast because I... Madden is probably my favorite television show of all time. 
Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have I to would fight give it like a sometimes. minus at best. Oh well. All right. No need to get pugilistic <laughs> on, on the podcast here, Kelly. I mean, don't not be calling out the wiener. Um, but yeah, uh, that we should we should we should have a talk about that sometime because maybe you'll okay. change my mind. Um, and it could be that also um, I'm a dude and, and Mad Men's more up my alley. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think that's it though, because I think if you look at it cumulatively, it's way more about women's stories than it is about men's. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 willing to give it that uh, that benefit of the doubt because I I kind of broadly agree. So all right, well, well let's put a pin in that. We'll put a pin on it. We'll have we'll have. Uh, would you be Would you care? Because we're actually doing a Mad Men retrospective um, from here to the end of the year. We're doing like one season a month. And it doesn't have to be about a particular season, but would you like to come on to the podcast uh, and maybe have that discussion with me at some uh, point? I might could do a segment. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Because it's, it's not yeah. like a, a traditional podcast. It's kind of like conversations that we're having about the seasons and, and you know different people's viewpoints. And we interviewed one of the editors. And so that mm-hmm. I think we could package something up. That would be cool. 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 Sounds good. I'm sure Mad Men fans would love to hear people shitting on the show. And mm-hmm. get, oh, first, yeah. I think first, really that's what, they, that's what they're looking that, for. That's, that's what the fans are tuning in for. They want to hear that <laughs> B-minus commentary. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm a creative person. God damn it. That's my vision. And I'm going to track through whether it's a disaster or not. Uh, anything else you want to say about this episode? Nope. Just, uh, not interested in, uh, in, uh, beef Wellington at any point. No. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's something you could probably get away with on your low carb diet. Potentially. I'd have to look and see exactly what's in it, but probably. And it's, it's something you could eat on the go. It's like, it's just like a milkshake. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for joining so us once again disgusting. i appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to uh uh to to spit fire on the orange and the new cast cast yeah, thanks for having me all right we'll see you next time 